You're listening to CDS Paradigm. The only genre is music.
Hi, and welcome to CBS Paradigm. One more time. We're moving along up in here. This is the ninth episode in the first season of CBS Paradigm. And I'm going to continue moving forward as I normally do. Thank you for tuning in. For those of you that are listening, spread it around. You send it out to your uh, networks, you know, emails and uh, social medias, if you don't mind. That would be a groove, a real groove. Uh, yes, you know, this is also the month, actually March 17th, Nat King Cole would be 100 years old on that day. So he is, not would be, he is 100 years old at this particular point. And just so you know, Nat King Cole for television, for the television world, he is generally, he's actually known as the Jackie Robinson of the television world. So uh, I have a, a PRI report on uh, him, and I'm going to play a, cup, a tune of him along with a uh, situation that took place with his daughter, Natalie, before she uh, made her transition as well, where they're doing a duet. And it was a whole situation where they were, where Nat King Cole uh, was actually on film in the background and she's singing with it. And they they worked it out. But anyway, I'm going to I'm going to play both of those particular pieces which is uh, unforgettable because it was definitely he's unforgettable and what was done when she did the duet with him was unforgettable. So now, uh, we're going to continue moving forward and uh, I'm going to play some Mala Waldron. Mala Waldron, Mal Waldron's daughter, the goddaughter of Billie Holiday. And of course, I have the opportunity on various occasions where Mal and I do a duet thing or a trio thing or a quartet thing, whatever it could be. And actually, the, the project, um, Timelessness Frozen in Time, we were involved with that project for a number of years and traveled with it uh, all the way out west. And it, it, was, it was a beautiful project while it was happening. And basically, it still is, you know, basically, you know. So anyway... We'll talk about that in another episode. However, uh, I'm going to continue on with Mala Waldron. However, and also before I do that, uh, I just want to let you know that who you just listened to was the group Snarky Puppy. And uh, it's basically music moving forward, the evolution of the music that we love so much in that particular direction. And uh, the bass player in that group, Michael Lee, is the leader of it. He has, matter of fact, he has written and arranged and produced the uh, project, and he plays bass. And then you've also, on that particular piece, you heard Sean Martin on keyboards, Bill Lawrence on keyboards, Corey Henry on keyboards, and he's taken the solo on that. Justin Statton is playing the Fender Rhodes, Mark Littieri, that's how you pronounce it. Mark Letary is playing guitar. Bob Laziti is also playing guitar. Then you have Chris McQueen playing guitar. And then you have Nat Wirth playing percussion. Larnell Lewis is playing drums. Mark Mayer, Mayer I mean Mike, I'm, excuse me. Mike Mayer playing uh, trumpet, and he took the solo on that particular piece. Uh, and then there was Chris Bullock playing sax, and he played the solo on that. And you had Bob Reynolds playing sax and Jay Jennings playing trumpet. 
it's a pretty nice sized group. That group also has done things with uh, uh, Jill Scott and a few other artists as well in various configurations. Uh, so basically, Snarky Puppy is a all about a project. You know, uh, it's a it's a musical entity brand, so to speak. All right. So anyway, the name of that piece that you had just listened to is Lingus. We like it here. <laughs> Lingus. We like it here. So I uh, trust you enjoyed it. So right now, I'm going to go to Mala Waldron, and Mala Waldron is going to play a tune she wrote entitled. Mon Amour, Mon Amour. And if I did not pronounce that right, I know I'm going to hear it from now. <laughs> Enjoy this. Thank you. 
gazing in your eyes And I know the tide of tears that rises Every time we say goodbye Cause your love for me is a miracle And it's you that I adore Mon amour, mon amour Je t'aime, je t'aime, je t'aime tellement Tu es l'homme de ma vie pour toujours Mon Mallow Waldron, yes. I enjoy myself so much when we're playing together. You know, we, we do a few things every year on a regular basis. And then on occasion, something may come up. She'll hire me. I'll hire her. Uh, we rehearse on some things. We was just out in California back in August of 218 and to almost a fully packed house at Herb Alpert's place, the uh, vibrato jazz room. And it was, uh, it was a groove. It was really a groove, I, I tell you. We, we just enjoy what we do. Uh, that particular piece, Mon Amour, and on flute, there's a very good friend of mine playing the flute, Alan Wan. He was also part of the Frozen in Time project. Uh, and uh, I'm going to be playing some of his music in future episodes coming up. He was playing the bass flute, as a matter of fact. So I trust you enjoy that, Mon Amour. Now this. And you are listening to CDS Paradigm. The only genre is music.
And we're back. There's a whole lot of music going on during this segment of CDS Paradigm. I'm really enjoying this sphere I'm in right now. This sphere that I'm in right now. You did. Yeah, who you was just listening to was a very good friend of mine, Dale Fielder. And uh, I've been knowing Dale for a long time. We were playing together in Pittsburgh quite a bit. Uh, as a matter of fact, we were in a group project with... Um, uh, J.C. Moses on playing drums. J.C. was uh, Eric Dolphy's drummer at, uh, for a particular period of time. And um, he was Pittsburgh, of course. And then there was Dale's brother, Guy Fielder, playing tenor saxophone. Dale was playing alto saxophone at the time. And the piano player was Vince Genova, who, who was just a phenomenal pianist. You know, so... Uh, eventually, he moved out of the out of the country, and uh, you know, life happens, as we all know, inevitably shall be. You know, anyway, uh, the name of that piece was Clarity Three that Dale did, and that's off of one of his CDs. Dale's doing pretty good out there in California, and uh, he um, has his own record label. He has quite a few CDs out. And he has produced other artists as well. And the name of his uh, his label is Clarion Records, actually. And uh, this particular piece you heard was off of one of his CDs called Sweet Height um, Colon Clarity. So it's like he wrote this suite, this musical suite, and it's called Clarity. And this was, what you heard was the third movement of Clarity. And that's why it's called Clarity. Clarity three, of course. The calling is the movement. And that was a beautiful piece that, I mean, I just enjoyed that piece so much. On that, you would hear Dale playing soprano sax. He also plays the baritone sax, and he also plays tenor. You heard Danny Grissette on piano. Trevor Ware playing bass. Trevor and I, we, we, it's really interesting. We have such a kindred spirit. You know, we have yet to physically meet. However, we've played with some of the same people and we talk on occasion through, we've talked on the phone and of course through the social media situation as well. And I was trusting I'd get an opportunity when I was out in California, I would have met him. But however, I'm going back out there again sometime in the near future, and I'll get an opportunity to do so. And, you know, I feel like I've been knowing Trevor for years. And then there was Thomas White on drums. Before that, you heard Jim Pugliese with uh, his particular project called Phase 3. And on that project, you heard Michael Atias playing alto saxophone, Christine Bard playing drums and congas, Marco Capelli playing guitar. Kato Hadiki is playing electric bass. Jim is playing uh, percussion, drums, um, the marimba, and other percussive, percussive instruments. And then he has a special guest, Mark Rebo, who's a fine guitar player. However, on that piece, Mark wasn't playing uh, guitar on that. Michael was. And they were playing a tune called, entitled uh, Kundo, 
which was a tune that was written by a Guyanese, the Guyanese uh, master musician, Teti Tete, Ni Teti Tete. And that's his whole name, Ni Teti Tete. And uh, what Jim did, he took uh, Teti Tete's uh, composition, Kunto, and transcribed it note for note. And I'm, however, what I'm hearing is, you know, there's some other transitions going on that they were feeling, you know, and, or interpreting their sense of how the direction was going to go into. So anyway, that's who you were listening to. And uh, I trust you enjoy both of those. Now this. Nathaniel Adams Cole was a very, very fine American vocalist. And uh, he first came to prominence as a leading jazz pianist, however. He passed away in the winter of 1965, however, not leaving us with so many great hits in his silky voice, and became known in the television world as the Jackie Robinson of TV. Years ago, years ago, we're talking. Now, keep in mind, he passed away in the winter of 65, 1965. His TV show was happening in the 50s. And uh, I know when I was a kid, I used to watch it, as a matter of fact. And I've seen this Nathaniel Adams Cole in movies as well. So there's a PRI report I would like for you to check out in regards to his legacy and what it is that he has done over his particular time span in this music thing that we do and love so much. Uh, most of us don't may not know him as Nathaniel Adams Cole. We actually know him as Nat King Cole. So I would like you to check this out. Boing. Where am I going to park? <laughs> oh, but here tonight, I'm glad that I found a place to park because right now I'd like to sing for you a very wonderful oldie entitled Unforgettable. That's what you are. Unforgettable Though near or far Like a song of love That clings to me How the thought of you does things to me Never before has someone been more unforgettable in every Evermore. 
that's why, darling, it's incredible. This week would have been the 100th birthday of the singer and songwriter and pianist Nat King Cole. Unforgettable, that's what you are. Nat King Cole was one of the most popular jazz pop performers from the 1940s through the 1960s. And in 1956, he made history. Ladies and gentlemen, the National Broadcasting Company presents with pride the incomparable Nat. The Nat King Cole Show ran on NBC for just over a year, from November 1956 through December 1957. Despite that brief run, it was a hugely important cultural landmark, a a big network TV show starring an African-American, and the last one of those until the 1960s. A while ago, I spoke with Daniel Mark Epstein, who wrote an excellent biography of Cole, I asked him about how Nat King Cole's groundbreaking TV show came to be and what it meant. Nat had been trying to get a television show since 1953, and although he was the most, um, he was the highest paid nightclub performer in the country and and fantastically popular, the networks kept refusing him uh, a shot at a network television show. And they kept saying, well, we don't have enough money or we can't find a time slot. But the real reason was because uh, the man was black. And, uh, and in certain parts of the country, they knew that they would not be able to get sufficient sponsorship. Here's a great blend of great jazz musicians and a fine jazz composition featuring Coleman Hawkins, Roy Eldridge, Stan Getz, and the Oscar Peterson Trio. The little tune is called Stomping at the Savoy. It's really important, I think, to realize the significance uh, of this breakthrough um, in the media for an African-American to get his own television show and to see it in the context of other things that were going on in the 1950s. One, of course, was the, um, was the Brown versus Board of Education uh, Supreme Court decision in the 1950s. Uh, one was the Montgomery bus boycott. And shortly after that, Nat went down to uh, Birmingham to give a concert, and he was actually attacked on stage by white supremacists uh, who believed that his music was uh, detrimental to the public morals. This caused such a national scandal that uh, Cole became um, far, far more famous than he had been before. He was invited to sing at the White House. And a lot of people believe that it was this um, uh, Nat King Cole's sudden higher visibility uh, that actually persuaded NBC to give him a chance on the television. Somebody loves me. I wonder who. I wonder who she can be. 
Who at NBC was his great enthusiast? David Sarnoff, who actually was the um, who was actually the founder of both RCA and um, and NBC. Um, Sarnoff uh, one evening was watching uh, Nat King Cole and Harry Belafonte on on the television, and he was so moved, incredibly moved by the uh, by the brilliance of these two entertainers, that he told the ad salesman at uh, NBC, he said, you've got to go out and get a sponsor for this show or heads will roll. Uh, and even so, uh, they were not able to get a national sponsor. What they started doing is piecing together local sponsors, but that wasn't enough. Uh, and finally, in 1957, Nat was so frustrated by what was going on uh, that when they threatened to change his time slot to, to a worse time, uh, he said he wasn't going to do it, and, and uh, this is the cause of his, um, this occasioned his most famous epigram when he said, Madison Avenue is afraid of the dark. Thank you very much. You know, here's a beautiful song called Two Different Worlds. So with the Boutonniers and Mr. Gordon Jenkins, we hope you enjoy this one. Two different worlds we live in. Was this a good show, in addition to being an, a sociologically, socially important show? Oh, it was a spectacular show, and Nat's connections in the entertainment world uh, by the 1950s were extraordinary, and he could have anybody on the show, although they hardly had any, any money, um, Tony Bennett, uh, Ella Fitzgerald, Frankie Lane, all of the big stars wanted to be on Nat King Cole's show um, because it was an important cause. He was the Jackie Robinson of the television world. What he was doing for television uh, was very comparable to what uh, Jackie Robinson had done 10 years earlier in 1947 by becoming the first African-American to play Major League Baseball. I'm shooting high, got my eye on a star in the sky. Shooting high. In the African-American communities, everything would stop when Nat King Cole came on the television. It was so important uh, for the community uh, to see him. I mean, he was incredibly sophisticated. Uh, he was charming. He was completely in charge of his, of his show. It was very inspiring for the black community and, and, uh, and also had an extraordinary influence on the white community as well. He got letters, for instance, from... He got one wonderful letter that I can remember from a woman who was trying to raise uh, a family of children that were um, of mixed race and how she felt that the Nat King Cole show had made her neighbors um, uh, more comfortable with them as a family. That's the kind of uh, grassroots effect uh, that the show had. Thank you very much. Good evening to you all, and thanks again for being with us. I spoke with Daniel Mark Epstein in 2001. Right now, there's a new musical I saw recently at the Geffen Playhouse in Los Angeles that imagines, in a highly stylized, fictionalized way, the final moments of the Nat King Cole show. It's called Lights Out, Nat King Cole. Dulé Hill stars as Cole, uncertain and angry as he tries to make sense of his show's cancellation. In the finale, should he keep being Mr. Gracious, beloved by white America, or, as his friend Sammy Davis Jr. suggests, go out with a bang? I've been a fan of Nat King Cole for a very long time. 
of course, a Christmas song is one of my favorite songs ever. My grandfather used to play it when I was growing up. Just the strings leading into the song brings you into this phantasmical place. And then when Nat King Cole comes in, he starts with his first note of chestnuts. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. There's something warm about it, something embracing about it. Frost nipping at your nose. And from there, I just fell in love with his voice. The smoothness of it, how melodic his voice is, and how easily he danced upon the notes. Sung by choir, and folks dressed up like Eskimos. And when he says, Every, everybody knows. Everybody knows. That part right there, the way he climbs down the steps, there's something so uh, melodic about it and easy. Help to make the season bright. I love a Christmas song. I just love it. I love that song. I'm thankful that I get a chance to sing that song in the show, in Lights Up. But it's also daunting every night. It's just the idea of getting ready to sing that song in front of a live audience. Because, I mean, he just, he sang that song so perfectly. I don't think it can be or will ever be sang better than Mr. Cole did. I don't try to mimic Mr. Cole. I try to get his essence. I really try to capture that when I sing his songs. His spirit, the essence of his voice, the essence of his song, the gracefulness in it, the softness in his voice, uh, that cool, calming breeze that his voice is as it dances along the notes, trying to really take that and marry that to my being. And hopefully people, when they see the show, can see that reflected on stage. There was a boy Very strange, enchanted boy. I really related to many things. I mean, one, I would say they wanted Mr. Cole just to stay in his lane, really, just to sing the song and, and be quiet. And I think oftentimes today as artists, we're faced with that same situation. Many times if I post anything political or give my point of view, they're going to tell me just to shut up and stick to acting. It's amazing that he had to go through that years ago and was still going through that today. That's what I relate to with Mr. Cole's story is how people will try to make a general statement and make that gospel just so that they can keep doing things the way that they want to do it. Like now, like they'll say, you know, African-Americans don't really sell overseas. That's what they'll try to say, like when it comes to financing movies and things like that. No, that, that doesn't sell over there. Or no, we can't diversify this past uh, because that doesn't sell. Then again, you have a show like Hamilton that comes along and knocks that out the water. He was using his platform of being in the living room of families across the country every day, just so that people could then see his humanity. And not only his humanity, but the humanity of, of many other people who look just like him. You know, that's something I related to with him and I really appreciate about his journey. It's an honor to really have this platform to continue telling Mr. Cole's legacy and also tell a story about who we are today. That's Delay Hill. The Lights Out, Nat King Cole is playing at the Geffen Playhouse in L.A. through March 24th. Our story was produced by Zoe Saunders and Tommy Bazarian. Travel my way, take the highway, that's the best.
like a song of love that clings to me how the thought of you does things to me never before has someone been Forevermore And forevermore That's how you'll stay That's how you'll stay That's why, darling It's incredible That someone so unforgettable Thinks that I am Unforgettable too Elvis Presley's musical director, Joe Garagio, had this idea to re-record and edit, remix the um, tune you just heard, Unforgettable. And actually, you heard that with Nat and his daughter, which is the remix, his daughter Natalie, which is the remix. And... um, make it a duo that he made he was able to remix it to become a duo for uh, natalie to sing with her father and uh i seen that happen where nat is being uh, shown on film on a big screen 
Natalie's on stage and they're singing together this tune, Unforgettable. And it was a beautiful performance, I have to tell you. It was a beautiful performance. Uh, that particular year in 1992, the uh, tune, the duo, won a Grammy, three of them as a matter of fact, and became Song of the Year, Record of the Year, and Best Traditional Pop Vocal Performance. Uh, and took all the way to year 2000 for that particular tune to make it to the Grammy Hall of Fame. Whenever it got there, it was very well-deserved, very well-deserved. And then, of course, Natalie, in 2015, she has, that's when she made her transition to be completely with her father. Nat King Cole was always one of my most favorite. I remember when I was in my single digits, my mom, Effie Lucille, had a record store in Los Angeles, California. This was in the 50s. And uh, she played a lot of music and had me sit there and listen to a lot of this music. I always accredit her to me being a musician today <laughs> without even me knowing it. That was my first music teacher, as a matter of fact. Now I think about it. Anyway, now this. And you are listening to CDS Paradigm. The only genre is music. Oh, thank you. Wondering what this world's about I know a place that has the answer It's a place where no one dies. It's a land where no one cries. And good vibrations
Jack Turner, guitar player, Jack Turner. I've been knowing Jack for a long time. Jack and I played together as well in Pittsburgh. He's from Pittsburgh as well. And he's such a fine guitar player. Uh, and, and he vocalizes. He sings as well. He's down there in Atlanta doing his musical thing. And this was off of his T album. T-E-A. I got next. T-E-A. Got next. I got next. And that's off of his... Um, his latest recording, one of his latest recordings. I think he has another one coming out, or it is out. I'm not sure yet. However, I will be talking to Jack within the next few weeks and see what he's up to. Um, on that particular piece, you heard Mo Daniels playing keyboard and David Haynes playing drums. It's a trio situation. And the name of that piece uh, was a tune entitled A Day in the Life, which was a Beatles tune, actually. And I, he does a fine job on that particular arrangement he put together. I really enjoyed that. Before that, you heard Chuck Maggione playing his tune, Land of Make-Believe, featuring Esther Satterfield. Always dug that tune as well. So as you can see here on CBS Paradigm, I'm shifting the paradigm to play stuff that I really like, which is everything. <laughs> All kinds of musical directions. I just I just like to do that kind of thing. Right now, I want to play a piece that was done by a young lady that I saw on uh, X Factor. And she was doing this tune written by Leonard Cohen entitled Hallelujah. And I'm not sure how many of you out there have heard this tune originally done. When I first heard the tune, it was uh, in a movie called Watchmen, and I heard excerpts of it. And then I looked up, you know, looked it up and found that Leonard Cohen had done this tune. And I really dig the, um, uh, the, the arrangement and the approach that Alexandra Burke has put on this. And you'll hear, well, you'll listen to it. Check it out. You're going to enjoy this. Cut your hair and from your head. 
Alexandra Burke. Hallelujah. I just dig that version, her approach of what that tune is. I mean, it's based on, of course, the actual basic version of the tune of how Leonard Cohen originally wrote it. However, what she puts on it, well, you heard it. I don't even have to say anything about it. You heard it. Yes. Hallelujah. Alexandra Burke. Well, it's getting close to that time. And I have to say good night, good morning, good afternoon, good 12 o'clock a.m. to 6 a.m. before your day gets started. And some of you are working throughout midnight, you know, throughout all night long. And I'm glad you were able to tune in. I'm going to play one more tune for you. This is from a keyboardist. Uh, I happen to like the stuff he does. And his name is Derek Bounds, B-O-U. NDS Bounds, and he's out of Chicago. He's a native of Chicago. He's out of Chicago. I'm born in Chicago as well, from Chicago, but I was raised in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Lived for about nine years, eight, nine years in Los Angeles, California when I was in my single digits. Uh, however, uh, he's this is a fine record uh, tuned album that he has, and it's from the album uh, Night Rhythms, what he calls it, Night Rhythms. And on this, you'll hear uh, Derek Bounds playing piano, keyboard. And he also sings, but not on this piece, on his album. And I'll be playing some more of his stuff in future uh, episodes where he's actually singing. Uh, Tyrone Blair is playing drums. Dexter Sims is playing bass. Alex Austin is also playing bass on the album. Uh, 
Carl Cohen is playing sax. Derek Scarf is playing trumpet. Robert Baglione is playing guitar. Buddy Bambro is also playing guitar on the album. Kurt Garrison is playing trumpet. Mona Lisa Brown, she's on his album as well. She's vocalizing on one on two tunes actually on off of the album. And the name of the album is um, uh, Night Rhythms. And this was released a few couple of years ago, about two, three years ago or so. However, uh, check him out, Derek Bounds. He has some good stuff going on, and he writes very well. So check this out, and the name of this tune is Yeo, Yeo, Yeo. That's the name of the tune. It's only one time, Yeo. That's <laughs> the name of the piece. And then I'll be right back at you. You're listening to CDS Paradigm. The only genre is music.
Derek Bounds, Yeo. Nice tune there, Brother Derek. I really enjoyed it, man. It's uh, keep on doing what you're doing. I'm going to be playing more of Derek in future episodes. Yeo was the name of that piece. Well, that's it for now. This is our ninth episode within the first season of CDS Paradigm. And I'm going to tell you, I'm just moving forward. I'm just having so much fun with this. I just can't tell you. And, you know, you get an opportunity, like I said, you like it, please send it across your network. Let other folks listen in. Encourage them to do so. Uh, and, you know, let's, let's, spread this, let's spread this out. You know, it would be a beautiful thing. Be a real groove to do so. In the meantime, I just want to leave you with a little something. Check this out, you know, because sometimes we fall short on understanding some things. And basically all understanding comes down to is accepting what something is that we can't do anything about. Whatever we can do something about it is because we understand it enough to make something happen out of it. So basically what it comes down to comes down to is um, to understand what is, which is to be accepted, has no recourse of agreement nor disagreement, rather the fulfillment of knowledge without judgment. Now the work can begin to adjust the shifting of the paradigm. That's why I call this show what I call it. So until next time, please, whatever you do, do it safely and uh, always keep peace at the top of your agenda. Thanks for listening. Peace.